Offers for free iPhones are usually too good to be true, just like freedom itself. Nothing is actually free. Other mobile phone companies not only lock you into long-term contracts, but they build the price of the phone into your bill with hidden fees. Now with Patriot Mobile, they can show you how to get that iPhone 14 or 14 Pro that you've been eyeing interest-free without the games and with no contract. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider with nationwide coverage on the best 4G and 5G networks because they use the same towers as the major carriers. Get the same great service while supporting a company that's fighting to preserve our God-given rights and freedoms. Patriot Mobile also offers a performance guarantee. So if you're not happy with your coverage, you can switch to any of the three major carriers they provide for free. Simply visit patriotmobile.com Dana or call their 100% U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with offer code Dana. That's patriotmobile.com Dana or call 972-PATRIOT. We're going to continue to strengthen Ukraine's ability to defend itself, particularly air defense, and that's why we're going to be providing Ukraine with Patriot missile battery and, uh, and training your forces to be able to accurately use it. Together with our partners, we're also going to continue to impose costs on the Kremlin, and uh, we'll support Ukraine pursuing a just peace. And I am Brett Witterbull. It is great to be here with you today on The Dana Show. Uh, of happy early Merry Christmas, a happy Hanukkah to our Jewish brothers and sisters, and to everybody who's out there looking uh, with such great excitement towards 2023. Welcome to the program. It is great to be with you. D- typically, you'll hear from me uh, on WBT Radio in the Queen City of Charlotte, North Carolina. It is a pleasure to be with you here today. I- I'm not going to toot my own horn, but I am going to say something. It typically happens when I'm filling in for Dana on the Dana Show that um, big news, big news breaks. Uh, the last time I filled in, which was back uh, in the summer, we had Roe versus Wade overturned with the Dobbs decision. And uh, I think prior to that, we had the gun decision that came down as well, which was humongous. It is great to be with you. Uh, this is a um, a tremendous time of the year. It's a time for a great amount of hope and a great amount of excitement. It's also that time when you kind of look back and you say, okay, how am I doing? What are my numbers looking like? What's the 401k uh, uh, looking to be? What is the return on my investments in this uncertain economy? Uh, How's it all all coming together for me? Well, if you are uh, Volodymyr Zelensky, you're doing pretty good. You're doing pretty, pretty good. As as, as if I could uh, channel my inner Larry David. The fact of the matter is... If you go back to the days of Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, of course, uh, cashing in on Burisma, that would be 2013 to 2018, I think, were, were the numbers. Well, what'd they do? They, they did pretty well there in that uh, in that marketplace. What do you make, $11 million uh, as a result of that? Well, look at the return on investment from these two guys. If you're Volodymyr Zelensky, I mean, he's collected $85, $90 billion from the United States taxpayers to fight off the Ruskies. And I make no mistake, I am happy that we are fighting off the Russians. It's uh, the first time in 50 years that uh, Joe Biden has been accurate about the Russians, uh, never never once wanting to challenge them. Remember when, when he and Barack Obama famously invited the Russians, Vladimir Putin and company, uh, into Syria after Assad gassed his own people. And uh, that was a red line. Do you remember the red line from Barack Obama? This is a red line. Uh, you can't cross it. There's going to be consequences. You're going to face real, real problems and wait till you see what we do, uh, uh, Mr. Assad. And then what does he do? He invites the, the Russians and the Soviets, right? They're still the Soviets for all intents and purposes. Invites them into Syria, giving the Russians 
For the first time in, in, in modern history, a warm water port on the Mediterranean. Yep, that's right. That's right. Joe Biden did do that with Barack Obama back once upon a time. And, and so now, now all of a sudden, we're giving them Patriot missiles. We're sending all this other stuff over there. We're sending cash, which is hugely uh, important to this fight. And I, and I stand... I stand with the notion that this is a country in Ukraine that I think needs to be defended. We've certainly seen uh, just a shocking number of war crimes and violence against innocents. I always hearken back, as we are uh, uh, just uh, about, what, 60 days away from the uh, anniversary of this this terrible invasion, I I hearken back to that day when when the Russians decided they were going to bomb the maternity hospital. Do you guys remember that? It was terrible. Um, that, that, that very famous story that came out about the young woman who was going to give birth uh, to, to her child, and uh, the Russians bombed the maternity hospital. And uh, the video of that was just so shocking and heartbreaking and horrible uh, to think about. And to see that the Ukrainians have, have basically held uh, forth where they have been uh, for almost a year in this fight against the Russians is, is really quite something. And so now Joe Biden, never, never uh, quick to, uh, to, to jump to uh, uh, the exact right policy, because for 50 years he got it wrong. Just, add, just ask uh, uh, Mr. Gates, who ran uh, the Defense Department, who, who ran the CIA. Um, he, he, never, he never got it right for 50 years. He's, he's, he's on the right side of this, but it's because of what the United States military is doing in supporting uh, the Ukrainian forces, the Defense Department, the American taxpayers, you, me, etc. Um, and that's, that's why he's still in this fight. Now, last night he spoke to a, a group uh, at the Congress. Uh, here is uh, Volodymyr Zelensky. This is cut number two, Valen, uh, talking uh, about this new Congress coming in and his expectation for them to continue to play ball. Cut two. I know that the American leadership will be strong and will play important role in global scope. And the United States will help us to defend our values, values and independence. And regardless of changes in the Congress, I believe that there will be bipartisan and bicameral support. And I know that everybody works for this. So from the time Joe Biden, then Senator Biden, went into the United States Senate, I, I think it was like 72, 73, uh, up until this moment, he, he's never been right on a strategic position. He, 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 he totally destroyed uh, what should have happened in Afghanistan, left all that weaponry, $86 billion, uh, behind. No doubt Victor Boots got it all listed on Craigslist around the world. Uh, Craigsky, Liskies, uh, Listy. Um, you know, he, 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 cuts, uh, he cuts and runs out of Afghanistan, hands it over to the Taliban. Al-Qaeda is now back uh, operating in business. But this is an incredible thing because it's a momentous occasion for Joe Biden to be on the right side of, of history in terms of strategy. And I know you're going to be shocked, but he was wrong during the Reagan doctrine. Does anybody remember what the Reagan doctrine was? The Reagan doctrine was very simple. It was that we would challenge and confront the Soviet menace and communism all around the world. We were going to be aggressive about that. Re- remember uh, El Salvador and Nicaragua, uh, the, the, the engagement in Afghanistan when we teamed up with the, uh, with the jihadis to take on the uh, Soviets uh, back then. Ronald Reagan was committed to checking Soviet power because he understood that Soviet power 
was was a horrible thing for people who wanted to try to be free or even just select their leadership. So what do you say we take the Wayback Machine and go back to May 29th, 1987, the Harvard Crimson. That's right, the Harvard Crimson. Uh, pish tosh, a mere bag of shells. Uh, the Harvard Crimson, where Biden came out and said, you're going to love this. I want to print this and frame this in my office. Biden says Reagan policy fails. This is 1987. When did that wall come down? Anybody remember when that wall came down? That, 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 that wall came down uh, just about, uh, just about uh, 1989. About a year and a half later, the Berlin Wall was coming down. Listen to this piece. Susan Glasser writing this, by the way. She's a, she's a reporter still out there in the world, and uh, you hear from her from time to time. You see her on CNN. I think she was part of the CNN layoffs, maybe, perhaps. Um, the Reagan administration has adopted a foreign policy of unwise intervention and rigid ideology, which has failed in the Soviet Union, Nicaragua, South Africa. Democratic presidential contender Senator Joseph Biden said yesterday at the Kennedy School of Government. Biden, who will officially announce his candidacy June 9th, said that President Reagan had lost the confidence of both the American people and the Western European nations by sponsoring, quote, military adventures around the world and by avoiding normal foreign policy channels. Quote from former future, I mean, future president Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. Military intervention as embodied in the Reagan doctrine is in tatters. It has led to deceiving our allies, trading arms to terrorists, circumventing Congress, and most profoundly losing the confidence of the American people and our European allies. I was alive when Reagan was president. Nobody was saying that except crazed, whacked out leftists like Joe Biden and Ted Kennedy. Nobody was saying this. Biden's foreign policy speech was the fourth in a series he's given at universities in recent weeks in an attempt to distinguish himself from the other six contenders for the 88 Democratic nomination and to clarify his position on issues ranging from economics to domestic policy. Biden said the American foreign policy has failed to adapt to changing realities and has instead been characterized by outdated approaches to the Soviet Union and world problems. Quote, not every conflict is a superpower contest. Not every insurgency is sponsored by the KGB, and not every revolution is run out of the Kremlin. For if there were no Soviet Union, there would still be insurgents in Central America and repression in Nicaragua. He, he really believed that the, the Reagan approach to being strong, peace through strength, was the way to go. You understand, President Biden, then Senator Biden, you understand that. It was only a year and a half until the Soviet Union was going to collapse. The wall would come down. The, the Soviets would collapse. And oh, by the way, the guy that Ronald Reagan was talking to at that end of the, uh, the Soviet run was the final leader in the Soviet Union in Gorbachev. Biden never gets it right. He never gets it right. I am Brett Witterbull. You're listening to The Data Show.
Did you know the tart cherries are an important superfood? When it comes to promoting metabolic health, they are a powerhouse. But if you're not looking to chug two cups of tart cherry juice a day, you need to know about new tart cherry gummies. Tart cherry gummies from the makers of Super B Tart Chews are an easy way to reduce inflammation from exercise, and they support immune health. Just two tart cherry gummies are the antioxidant equivalent of 16 ounces of tart cherry juice or 100 cherries. They're vegan, non-GMO, they have zero sugar, and are simply delicious. Tart Cherry Gummies come with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Try them risk-free for 90 days and see how you feel. If you don't love them, send them back, no questions asked. Right now, you can get up to 35% off Tart Cherry Gummies plus free shipping at buytartcherry.com slash Dana. This is their best offer available anywhere. That's buytartcherry.com slash Dana for up to 35% off Tart Cherry Gummies. Buytartcherry.com slash Dana. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. And I am Brett Witterbull in for Dana on the Dana Show. All right, let's start with this, all right? Let's start with Phil Kirpin talking about this omnibus that's happening there in the Senate right now. Look, this is a situation where the Senate Republicans have essentially said we'd rather do a spending deal with Senate Democrats and House Democrats than do a spending deal with Senate Democrats and House Republicans. They're choosing to completely sideline the newly elected majority in the House. Uh, Their theory is that for whatever reason, they get a better outcome working with Democrats. And uh, I think that's deeply offensive to the voters who just elected a Republican House and expected that Republican House to have a seat at the table. This bill is absolute garbage. You don't want to back this bill in any way shape or form it's got provisions for all kinds of weird things that i'll break down in just a little while when you hear about this omnibus you definitely want this to get kicked back over to the house because the senate is a disaster it is a 100 percent disaster it's the worst thing you could possibly ever uh want to see uh proceeding uh out of uh, this congress i we want i want the Republicans to have a shot at this. Let's kick this into January when we get a normal Congress in there, no longer con- controlled by Nancy Pelosi. Um, let's let's get a look at how that ends up uh, uh, working out for you. How's that border working out for you? Title 42 is in effect, according to the SCOTUS, the Supreme Court. But the fact of the matter is, and we'll develop this later on, the fact is there are scads. I don't know how many are in a scad, but there are scads of countries that are not subject to Title 42. So despite the fact that the Title 42 thing is still in effect, you've still got thousands of people crossing that border. Here's the question that you need to know very quickly about that. It's this. Why does Joe Biden remain committed to destroying middle class Hispanic families living by the border? Because he wants all these folks to come on in. Did you see the polycule in full effect? You know, the polycule was that weird relationship that had been set up by Sam Bankman Freed. uh, Or is it Sam Bankman Greed? I always get confused. Well, now two FTX execs, most importantly, Caroline, his girlfriend, um, have now pled guilty to fraud charges. And they're basically sitting back and saying, all right, all right, how are we going to get out of this one? What are we going to do in this regard? What's going to happen? Well, these two uh, geniuses decided that they were going to get in front of these charges and uh, we're going to turn states evidence for lack of a of a better term. And so that's what's happening here. They're trying to save their skin and put it all on Sam Bankman Freed. I- I'm sorry. 
Last I checked, it takes two to tango or a polycule uh, to tango. But Gary Wang and Caroline Ellison have both pleaded guilty to criminal charges in connection to that multi-billion dollar fraud allegedly orchestrated by Sam Bankman-Fried. That's when they took down the FTX. She ran Alameda, which was one of the great beneficiaries uh, when it came to the uh, sort of uh, criminal co-conspiracy sort of deal that was happening right there. You'll see what'll happen. She'll be made out to be the villain uh, who, who had been convinced by the Svengali himself to continue to do the things that he wanted. The housing market now falling for a 10th straight month. You know what that means? That means if you can go and get a mortgage and you can afford the mortgage, you might be doing okay. But everybody else, folks that get up and do all the right things every day, they're not doing so well. Finally, a shark killed a woman in waters off of Hawaii. That's bad news in a lot of ways. I love that it's described as an aggressive shark. It's an aggressive shark. Are there no pacifist sharks? Are there no mellow sharks? Are there no pothead sharks that are just too mellow to... No. No, that would have to be up off the coast of Humboldt County, California. I mean, I'm so happy to be here with you. That's your quick take. I'm Brett Witterbull in for the Dana Show. Did you know the tart cherries are an important superfood? When it comes to promoting metabolic health, they are a powerhouse. But if you're not looking to chug two cups of tart cherry juice a day, you need to know about new tart cherry gummies. Tart cherry gummies from the makers of Super B Tart Chews are an easy way to reduce inflammation from exercise, and they support immune health. Just two tart cherry gummies are the antioxidant equivalent of 16 ounces of tart cherry juice or 100 cherries. They're vegan, non-GMO, they have zero sugar, and are simple delicious. Tart Cherry Gummies come with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Try them risk-free for 90 days and see how you feel. If you don't love them, send them back, no questions asked. Right now, you can get up to 35% off Tart Cherry Gummies plus free shipping at buytartcherry.com slash Dana. This is their best offer available anywhere. That's buytartcherry.com slash Dana for up to 35% off Tart Cherry Gummies. Buytartcherry.com slash Dana. The Dana Show. The Ukrainian people are courageous and innocent, and they deserve our help. President Zelensky is an inspiring leader, but the most basic reasons for continuing to help Ukraine degrade and defeat the Russian invaders are cold, hard, practical American interests. And I am Brett Witterbull. In on the Dana Show, it is great to be with you, and uh, I'm so honored to get to sit in this seat and spend this time uh, with each and every one of you. You know, the uh, the speech that was given by Zelensky last night there in the Congress, uh, there he was in his, are, are those battle fatigues? I, I don't know, what what is he wearing uh, there? I, I know people, Tucker was making fun of him, saying he was dressed like a strip club operator. But I just I, I don't know what that is. I, I've never understood, honestly, what it means when you have uh, people from foreign countries coming in and kind of wearing their military regalia. Or so. I, 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 I have to believe the man owns a suit. You're speaking in the Congress, for goodness sakes. Wear a suit. But I don't want to, you know, pick nits. I mean, that's not what I'm trying to do here. I'm just trying to be honest about, you know, the way I kind of feel about people who are coming to get $85 billion from the United States to continue this fight. Now, this is a big deal 
when you look at the current state of affairs over there in Russia, because Vladimir Putin, let's be honest, has got uh, a tenuous grip on things. And people are already trying to position to get in there, take the uh, uh, take the reins of power from Putin, because uh, by all accounts, he's he's ill. He's uh, battling either a terminal illness or a very serious illness. And, you know, he is not the same guy that we saw riding around on a uh, on a horse, uh, doing judo, fighting, uh, playing hockey uh, with people. It, it's it's one of these deals where, you know, this guy's not going to be around forever. I know we tend to think of Vladimir Putin as being like 45 or 50 years old. He's in his he's like 70. He's closer to Biden's age uh, than he is to Pete Buttigieg's age. And so. This is a guy who is probably only going to be in power for a limited amount of time. And you're going to have people kind of racing to get to a place where they become the heir apparent. And we're going to have to figure out how to handle that situation because it's not the Putin effect so much. It's the who comes next effect. Now, the Wagner group is one of these people. Uh, you, you've heard about the horrible sledgehammer stories that come from those guys. Those guys are terrorists. They're, they're just Russian terrorists that go around the globe killing innocent people. Um, Victor Boot got traded for Brittany Griner. Uh, he's, a, he's a bad actor who's out there trying to sell weapons to every terrorist group he, he can possibly find. Uh, that's a fact. So what are, we, what, are, what are we doing here? What is the long-term plan? Remember, these battles that take place over in that neighborhood, right, where you saw Putin grab, uh, he, he grabbed Crimea. Uh, before that, he, he made a move on Georgia. Uh, before that, you know, he, he was looking at trying to get himself into the right sort of position where they were going to have a new ascendancy of the Soviet Empire or maybe the Russian Empire. What is your long-term strategy and plan? I, re I referenced Reagan in the last segment or uh, in the beginning segment of this hour, and I said, you know, Reagan had a strategy. The strategy was checking the power of the Soviets at every turn. When he was asked about it on the campaign trail, uh, he said it was really easy. We win, they lose. And people laughed at him and they said, wait, that, that's, that's just a far too simple strategy. And he said, well, what do you mean that's too simple of a strategy? We win, they lose, we move on with our life. What ended up happening when the, when the wall came down? The wall comes down. Gorbachev signs the paperwork to to put the Soviet Union out of business. It's gone. It's done for by the time you get to 1990, 1991. And we are living in a peaceful era, era of time. You know, Bill Clinton's coming into office. He decides that we have a peace dividend. We can gut our military. We can weaken our military. We can do all that sort of stuff. And, and oh, by the way, I worry genuinely about the direction of our military. I worry genuinely about how it is that we're going to continue to uh, fight and, and, and protect this country. Because I read stuff like this in the New York Post. No more yes, sir. No more yes, sir. This is Lee Brown writing in the New York Post just today. Marines may ban the use of sir and ma'am to avoid misgendering superiors. Wait, wait a minute. Hold on. What did, what did you just say, Winterbull? Yeah, that's, that's it. That's it. No more yes, sir. The U.S. Marines may ban recruits from, from respectfully addressing a senior member as sir or ma'am to avoid misgendering or offending them. 
The woke recommendation was made in a new report commissioned by the Corps from the University of Pittsburgh. The exhaustive 738-page study that the Marines first commissioned in 2020 said traditional ways of addressing superiors were holding back gender integration. Employing gender-neutral identifiers eliminates the possibility of misgendering drill instructors, which can unintentionally offend or cause discord, the study said. Quote, by teaching recruits to use gender-neutral identifiers for their drill instructors, services underscore the importance of respecting authoritative figures regardless of gender. Colonel Howard Hall. Chief of Staff for the Marine Corps Training and Education Command told the Defense Advisory Committee on on, uh, women in the services this month that the radical shift was being considered by leadership, albeit with some pushback, the Marine Corps Corps Times said. The two-year study by the University of Pittsburgh's Warrior Human Performance Research Center. Wow. So that would be the UPWHPRC. Said that the Army, Navy, and Coast Guard effectively de-emphasized gender in an integrated environment. Instead of saying ma'am or sir, recruits in these services refer to their drill instructors using their ranks or roles by their last name. Okay, you can say major. Yes, major. Yes, colonel. Yes, uh, uh, captain. Yes, sure. I get that. I understand that. That's fine. That's fine. Gendered identifiers prime recruits to think about the visually search for drill instructor gender first before their rank or role. So gendered identifiers prime the recruits to think about or visually search for a drill instructor's gender first before their rank. The proposal is one of a half dozen recommendations the Marines Entry-Level Training Advisory Council is considering. Well, what if today I'm... What, what if what if I, I don't feel like a major today? What, what if I feel like I'm a corporal? What, no, nobody does that. Stop that. That's that's not right. You can't make that kind of a joke. You you put that away. You're not going to be allowed in the Marines. I assure you, I'm not allowed in the Marines. I'm a little too old. But but I, I don't have a problem with addressing them by their rank. Anybody being addressed by their rank. But if you're working in an office and the boss comes around do you say yes sir or no ma'am or do you say yes chief executive officer miller <laughs> yes chief chief information officer smith yes director of human resources yes loading doc, doc director <laughs> how do we do this how do we do this? And by the way, when you get out there into civilian life, you're sacking somebody's groceries and they give you a tip. Do you say, thank you, tip giver? Or do you say, thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. These are all the challenges that we, I mean, I, this is interesting. At what point did the Marines stop killing people? And now we're focusing on all this. I, I think if you can come to a quick, uh, a quick resolution in this regard, I think it'll it'll go a lot more easier because the Marines are supposed to go out and, as you well know, break things and kill people. That's what you're supposed to do. You are the mean green machine. And uh, th- this idea that we're going to we're going to do this. 
You know, it's remarkable. I just got a, uh, by the way, I just got a, a direct message on my Twitter at Winterbull Show. Oh, hell, the Marines have caved. All hope is lost. Save yourself and your family. Well, that's one way of looking at it. It's, an inc- <laughs> it's incredible, the stuff that we're working on these days. It's really remarkable. We'll take a dive into some of what's going on in the spending bill. Coming up in this next hour, we're going to talk about uh, what it is that's happening at the border and a whole bunch of other stuff as well. We're going to make you smarter for this upcoming Christmas break, this upcoming Christmas vacation that you're going to get. Uh, you're going to know so much more than everybody around you, and, and you're going to be well for it. I'm telling you, I guarantee it. My name is Brett Witterbull. You hear me on WBT in Charlotte, North Carolina. It is the Queen City. It is a pleasure to be here on The Dana Show. More after this. Want a behind-the-scenes look at The Dana Show? Subscribe to Dana's chapter and verse newsletter for a deeper dive in all things Dana at danalash.com. What's your response to this bipartisan push to, to ban TikTok, especially on government devices? Look, I mean, obviously this is a very political approach. doesn't have any real impact on national security. Um, but the concerns they're raising are ones that we think are solvable, um, and we have a really comprehensive solution. And so the better question is, um, maybe for the administration on um, enacting a security deal that that actually safeguards um, information for all Americans. And I am Brett Waterbull in for Dana on the Dana Show. It's great to be with you. I don't understand what sort of government business needs to be transacted on TikTok. Uh, I'm absolutely serious when I say this. I can understand a congressman or a senator. Uh, somebody wanting to post something on TikTok that they think that they can reach a constituency with. Hey, uh, don't use those vape pens. Hey, uh, don't eat NyQuil chicken. Hey, uh, don't do the knockout game, whatever it is. Because basically, TikTok, I, I think, is a colossal waste of time when you realize what they're doing inside the communist Chinese government with TikTok and what they're doing to export out to the rest of the world to try to create corruption and confusion and general stupidity broadly speaking you understand pretty quickly what the purpose of this is okay this is this is essentially um it's it's sort of like the johnny knoxville program and then i see i'm not even sure that i can use the term jack a uh, on the radio so i'm going to be respectful right it could be kids driving around in the car today riding around in the car if they're driving around that's pretty shocking if they're kids but if they're riding around in a car i don't want to say the word but you know this is this is a lot like the that it's a it's a platform that does all that stuff where it gets people to do dumb things hey uh, there's a guy on a ladder knock him off i mean i don't understand what the purpose and the use of tiktok is for government employees uh, sincerely, I, I, it doesn't make any sense to me. Why are you sitting in your office at the USDA looking at TikTok videos? Why, why are you in the Defense Department looking at TikTok videos? You're at the CIA. Why are you looking at t- Why is Tony Fauci on TikTok? <laughs> I don't understand. It's a way of messaging. Well, there's a lot of ways you can message. There's a lot of ways. Instagram does messaging. Uh, uh, Facebook does messaging. Uh, you've got uh, Snapchat does message. Why are we using the Chinese uh, platform that's been created to corrupt our kids? And actually, let's be honest, not just to corrupt the kids, to corrupt a lot of the adults. I see a lot of really bad stuff that adults are doing out there on TikTok uh, and not not making a not 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 doing a good thing in terms of the example that they ought to be showing. So this idea that, well, you know, these are things that we believe we can fix. Well, here's the problem. 
you needed to do this like six years ago, five years ago, when this thing first emerged. Now everybody's using it. It's at the point where so many people are using it. The people are going to start leaving the platform just because it's not the new hot in thing to do now. Okay. Um, and so the idea that the government is going to restrict it, you and I both know you will not be able to contain TikTok. We can't control fentanyl coming across the border. We can't control people coming across the border. Uh, we can't control um, any number of things uh, taking place uh, in our country. The U.S. government is going to have no way to control TikTok. Everybody's going to delete it. They're going to get a burner phone. They're going to put some other fake line on there. It, it's, it's, it's really the idea that we're focusing so much on this platform, uh, I think, is, is distracting. And it's not speaking to the real issues uh, that, that, are, that are out there and need to be looked at. I, again, I, I'm, not, I'm not a prude. I'm not a square. I've seen TikTok. I get it. I understand it. You know, it's funny to an extent. I don't get why the government would want to would would want to have their folks uh, doing these things. Okay, we got an update. It looks like this omnibus bill is going to be on its way to passage. Uh, I think the Linguini spined uh, Democrat uh, Republicans. Uh, I don't know that they're going to hold serve and be tough enough to reject this because it looks like Chuck Schumer's got a big smile on his face. And, and they are going to consider each and every one of the stupid um, uh, different amendments. They'll, they'll, they'll vote them all down. They'll use their procedural numbers to just vote them all down. And then they're going to move to final approval. So it looks to me like this $1.7 trillion spending monstrosity is, is going to uh, end up, end up kind of going sideways here. It's going to end up getting passed. By the way, the bill includes across-the-board increases for every federal entity, including the legislative branch, which means the Congress and the Senate would see a 16.5% funding increase if the bill becomes law. That increase for Congress is second only to funding for military construction and veterans who get a 21% bump, according to an analysis from the Committee for a Responsible Budget. Total, oh my gosh, I'm sorry about that. I just had a... Uh, piece of sound blow, blow up at me um the bill includes increased spun, uh, spending the legislative branch funding would be 6.9 billion for the fiscal year up 975 million for the fiscal year and do you know what they're saying they're saying well the bulk of this money is going to go towards securing the capital stopping another january 6th style attack there isn't another january 6th style attack happening you guys went and rounded everybody up and put them in jail, and you don't let them see their lawyers or talk to their loved ones. We've got plenty more straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. I'm Brett Witterbull. This is The Data Show. The Biden administration has been constantly talking about open borders, enticing people uh, to come into the United States. But also I explained uh, that if you go back in time, uh, just two and a half years ago, it was the Trump administration uh, that imposed uh, the Title 42, the remain in Mexico, the end of catch and release and building uh, the wall. And what the uh, Trump administration has done was lead to the lowest border crossings in decades. And it was only after Joe Biden took office uh, and used his open border policies, we have an all-time record in the number of people coming across the border illegally. 
And I am Brett Witterbull. It is great to be here with you. That is uh, that is uh, Governor Greg Abbott of the state of Texas, the great state of Texas, a state that I uh, called home for a lot of years in my youth growing up out in the far west Texas town of El Paso. And many of you understand fully uh, what it is that's going on there based on the coverage from guys like Bill Malugin and other folks on the ground. Um, it, it is disgraceful. It is so good to be in, though, for um, for Dana today on the Dana show. I'm, I'm so thrilled uh, to be a, a, a part of this, uh, uh, getting to spend time with you as we look towards Christmas. Well, the reality is Joe Biden tried desperately to give an early Christmas present to uh, migrants as far as the eye can see around this uh, world, inviting everybody to come into the country. Until you had the Supreme Court get involved and stay the uh, the uh, the suspension of of Title 42. You know, it's interesting to me. Uh, here we are. It's Title 42 uh, that that's being un- under consideration. We're told there is no pandemic yet. When I put on any of the news channels, especially the fake news channels like CNN, MSNBC, ABC, NBC, CBS, uh, those channels. What what do I see? I see the. What do they call it? The triple demic is what they're calling it. The triple demic, right? Because you've got COVID, you've also got uh, RSV, and then you've you've got the flu. Why are we letting anybody into the country when they could be, com- you know, communicating? I don't mean communicating like via phone or teleporter. Uh, I mean communicating. They could be communicating this illness to other people in the United States at a time when there's shortages for flu medicine and for for amoxicillin and those sorts of things. Why are we bringing people in from around the world who have journeyed from who knows where uh, and, and allow them to stay here? Well, it's because President Biden and Kamala Harris are committed to having the dream come true, uh, the dream that was first dreamt by one Jorge Soros, George Soros, who believes that there should be no borders respected anywhere in the world. Do you remember back in uh, 2012, 2013, 2014, the mass migrant flows out of places like Syria, out of places like the Middle East, into Europe, and of course all those European countries that resisted what it was that Soros had planned for them were, were labeled as racists and xenophobes and all that sort of stuff. We are still living in the era of COVID, my gosh. How many times a day do you get an alert from a, a pharmacy or, a, or a, a pharmacy chain telling you that, hey, it's time for you to come in and get that COVID booster? Well, if they're telling you to get the COVID booster, it means COVID must still be a thing for some people. Why are we allowing the border to be wide open? Because you need to understand something. And it's very easy to understand if you've ever lived by the border in the United States. I have had the blessing of living at the border in Texas and also in California. Um, It was an eye-opening experience to live in those two places. I lived right across from Juarez, very famous place, and right across from Tijuana, another very famous place. I have tons of friends that live in Mexico. I grew up in a city that was 88% Hispanic. That's 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 how Hispanic El Paso, Texas is 88 percent. I am not Hispanic. I am what they call Anglo or they they did back in the day. They would call you an Anglo. Uh, I am an Anglo. Um, and so we were like part of the 12 uh, percent that, that, that grew up there. I have friends that I went to high school with and graduated with that live over in Mexico. I talk to them. We, we, we have conversations. It's a beautiful thing. 
The people that live in Mexico, I, I know this is going to kind of blow your mind. The people that live in Mexico are patriotic for Mexico in the same way you are patriotic for the United States of America. They love Mexico. They are from Mexico. They like it. They live there. Sometimes they travel into the United States to transact business or to go to work, but then they go home at night. It's a very healthy border, like going from North Carolina to South Carolina. You cross that border, you do your business, you go home at night because you love where you live. We have, as a consequence of Joe Biden's miss, mal, and non-feasance, created a busted border. We, we have told people from 150, 160 countries around the world that you are to come up through the southern route and just show up in the United States and we'll give you what you want. Here's the problem. When you look at the communities that are hardest hit by this illegal migration of people who are coming in for, I don't know, I don't know what their motivations are. It may be to work for the cartels. It may be to human traffic. It may be because they're smuggling dope. It may be because they're really afraid of, of how bad circumstances have gotten in Kyrgyzstan or Nepal or whatever. But the border communities are uniquely poised to feel the pain. El Paso is not a wealthy city. A lot of working class people, a lot of middle class people, some wealthier people. It's a university town. Uh, McAllen, Texas, Brownsville, Eagle Pass. All of these places are communities that have had Mexican-Americans, an emphasis on Americans, Mexican-Americans, living there, in some cases, for generations. There are people who live in these border communities who can trace their roots back to before Texas being a country, to when Texas was still a possession, not just of Mexico, but España. That's how far back these people go. And so what happens? Joe Biden, Mr. Delaware himself, and Kamala Harris, and Jorge Soros, and, and of course uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, what do they do? They go, you know what? Just bring them in. Let them come in. Because everybody wants illegal migrants just traipsing through their property, their ranches, their farms, their backyards, their neighborhoods. That's Everybody wants that, right? This is the great failing of the progressive mindset. They think that because you have a similar last name, because your last name is Gomez and this person's last name is Ramirez, well, of course you're going to support illegal immigration. Nonsense! nonsense just because i may be of italian and irish extraction doesn't mean i want to be with the kennedys or john gotti just because we have similar backgrounds in our history in terms of ethnicity uh race what ha that doesn't mean that i want to be around people who who didn't come in on the right way and do the sort of things that are supposed to be done the white house has this twisted idea that because there are Hispanic people in Florida and Latinos in Florida, Cubans and Venezuelans in Florida, who have lived there for a couple of generations or many generations, that of course they want to just have people come in and move into their neighborhood. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. How would you feel? I don't know where you live, but you know where you live. How would you feel if you woke up tomorrow morning and people were sleeping on your porch I'm serious, like sleeping on your porch. What would you do? Like, who do you call to say, 
hey, these dudes are sleeping on my porch. Who do I call? And you call the police department and they go, there's nothing really we can do about it. I mean, they have a right to be here because Joe Biden says everybody's coming in. Everybody's got to sleep somewhere, man. That's just how it's going to be. How would you feel if you went into your house and somebody was sleeping in your bed? How would you feel if you bought a concert ticket to a show that you really wanted to see? And when you got there, somebody just took up your, your seat. No, they didn't pay for the ticket, but they just sat there. There has to be an order to society. You want to come to the United States, present yourself at the consulate, fill out the paperwork, pay the fees, do the stuff you got to do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then what? And then what? Wait your turn in line. You don't get to gate crash just because you want to be here. Guess what? I want to be in Beverly Hills. Doesn't mean I can go grab a house. I want to go to Maui. Doesn't mean I can just get on a plane, fly for free, and go show up in Maui, except illegal immigrants can. They can do whatever they want. So this fight is the fight for our country and the people who are bearing the greatest brunt of this violation as an American citizen are the very Americans that live along the border and who in many cases in Texas, New Mexico, Arizona and California are people of Hispanic and Latino descent who, because Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have never been to that location, don't understand what a healthy border looks like. They think that, well, quote, those people can all just be together because they're those people. No, it's not right and it's not fair. And we ought to stand up for those poor communities, those middle class communities that have generations of equity in this country. And these politicians are just dumping them wherever they can. Hoping that no one will notice. We have to notice. I'm Brett Witterbull. You're listening to The Dana Show. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. And I am Brett Witterbull. This is your Quick Five, the stuff that you need to know and understand so that you are ready for the uh, day ahead. ABC reporter Kristen Henschel was paid thousands of dollars by a lobbying firm to make hit pieces on politicians. So reports the New York Post. An ABC producer used her credentials to create fake hit pieces on local politicians in Florida while pocketing thousands from a political lobbying firm. So this freelance reporter, Kristen Henschel, who mostly worked for Good Morning America, was paid at least $14,000 by an Alabama-based political consulting firm called Matrix LLC to sandbag environmentally friendly politicians with bogus questions. Henschel claimed to be working for ABC while she was filming the hit pieces. Kristen Henschel was a freelance daily hire who never worked for ABC News on the political stories referenced in an NPR article. The network said Henschel who has been fired from the network, primarily did freelance work for Good Morning America. That's the same show plagued by rumors of an affair between Amy Robach and T.J. Holmes. You know what we got to do here now? Apparently, you got to start legislation to register these here reporters. They register these reporters uh, so that they can uh, we can know if they're officially allowed to ask these sorts of questions and do these sorts. That's it. That's it. We need more regulation. Get Elizabeth Warren on it right away. A court has struck down Joe Biden's transgender mandate. Eighth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in St. Louis permanently blocked the transgender mandate from the U.S. Department of Health and Services. The mandate forced doctors and hospitals to perform gender transition procedures on their patients, even if it violated their conscience and best medical judgment. The Eighth Circuit 
concluded that the mandate violates a key federal law protecting religious liberty. Biden administration has 45 days to appeal that deal. Donald Trump apparently paid no taxes in 2020 and reported negative income in four of six years. Now, folks, are hot as fish grease. Have you seen this? They are hot as fish grease. Apparently, the IRS got a good look at at, uh, Barack Obama's taxes and got a good look uh, over at uh, Joe Biden's taxes, but no such thing for Donald Trump. Well, now, as a result, they're taking Donald Trump's taxes and dumping them out there in the town square at the Congress and telling everybody, feel free to pick through it, look through it, see what you think, see how you feel. Uh, that's the way it's going to be, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, this this kind of stuff is just remarkable. It's incredible. The man's no longer the president, but we got to go dig that kind of stuff up. Joe Biden called Kamala Harris a work in progress. Hey, wait a minute. That's misogynistic and racist. It's also San Franciscist. Uh, Biden called Harris a work in progress and is annoyed by her husband's complaining. According to a new book, The Second Gentleman, Doug Emhoff complained about uh, the wife's VP Kamala Harris official policy assignments. He didn't like the jobs that Joe Biden was giving her. Did you know this? Did you hear this? Did you see this? According to that new book about the Biden presidency, there have been real tensions between Biden and Vice President Harris with the president venting to friends that he's annoyed with the husband. Fully. If only she wasn't married to Hunter. Oh, wait a minute. Emhoff. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Who's she married to? Who's my vice president? Biden has reportedly been frustrated with Harris calling her a work in progress. That's really, that's terrible. You should never refer to a human being as a work in progress. I'm offended. Let's have a march. Let's impeach. Politico published these quotes on Tuesday from the excerpt of a book called The Fight of His Life by Chris Whipple. The book provides an inside look at the Biden presidency's first years. Whipple told Politico he was given extensive access to Biden administration officials while writing the book. Mr. Whipple, please don't squeeze the Charmin. Come on, the joke was way too easy to make. I couldn't just let that lie there. Canadian Prime Minister Trudeau is going to decide which guns people can have. He's gone on this jihad to try to get rid of all firearms uh, there in uh, Canada. Or as I like to refer to it as America's hat. Uh, he is he is trying to uh, figure out which guns you're allowed to have and which guns you're not allowed to have. So don't don't be getting all thinking like you get to have guns. And we may let you have a BB gun or a pellet gun, three pumps only. Maybe we'll let you have wrist rockets. But when it comes to firearms, I mean, we don't need any more firearms happening here in this uh, country of Canada. Good luck with that. Good luck with that, my man. And then finally, the FDA's commissioner is begging parents not to stockpile kids' meds. Leave enough for other people to get access to these important medicines, especially during this non-pandemic pandemic year. I mean, it's it's an amazing thing to be alive in 2022, isn't it? Soon it'll be 2023. I am Brett Witterbull. That's your quick five. This is The Data Show. Politics, pop culture, and whatever else gets canceled, tossed in a blender, paid for by sponsored hate mail. It's the Dana Show. And I am Brett Witterbull. It's great to be here with you today. Uh, and, and I want to I want to shout out uh, Valen there, who is uh, doing a tremendous job uh, keeping us uh, keeping us right here on time and, and all the stuff that we need to do in terms of the big stories that are out there. We we are. We are just getting underway, and I can't believe how quickly this program's already going. Hey, did you know the Toyota boss is asking a, a very important question 
And it's this. Uh, should we maybe think about these electric vehicles that we're telling everybody to buy? I mean, now, wait a minute. You're a Toyota boss. The Toyota president says auto industry's silent majority wonders if electric vehicles are really okay to have as a single option. Well, what would be wrong with that? While electric vehicles may seem to be all the rage in the automotive space, Toyota Motor Corporation President Akio Toyoda is pumping the brakes on the idea of an all-in approach. People involved in the auto industry are largely a silent majority, he told reporters during a trip to Thailand. That's according to the Wall Street Journal. That silent majority is wondering whether EVs are really okay to have as a single option. But they think the trend... They think it's a trend, so they don't want to speak out loudly. Of course you don't. You want Greta Thunberg showing up at your house at 3 o'clock in the morning, repeating over and over again, how dare you, how dare you? Because the right answer is still very unclear. We shouldn't limit ourselves to just one option, he said. During the past few years, he's attempted to communicate the idea to stakeholders in the automotive space, including government figures. But he indicated that his effort had been tiring at points. Okay, why are we talking to stakeholders and not talking to shareholders? See, I think shareholders are really more important than stakeholders. Because let's be honest here. The only thing stakeholders can do do is put a stake through the heart of your productivity of your company without having to be held to responsible. There are plenty of people who are stakeholders who don't own shares of your company. Why do I care? What Julian Assange wants me to create or Al Gore wants me to create or the man in the moon wants me to create. It should be about the market's desire. Is there interest in electric vehicles? Yes, it's more than is it more than 10 or 15 percent of our customer base? No way, said Ryan Gremore, a dealer based in Illinois who owns a number of brand franchises. Oh, wait, is he a stakeholder? He's probably not really a stakeholder. He's just a guy that sells your product and helps you make more money for the corporate. Anyway, he doesn't count. We got to get an activist out there doing something about this. According to the journal, Toyota said that the other options like hydrogen powered vehicles are starting to receive a better reception from gut. This, this is this is every group of people you don't want to be around government leaders media figures, and people in the vehicle industry. How about customers? Are any customers being asked what they want? Like, for example, I can go into an ice cream store in my town, and I can request a particular flavor. Let's say I want Rocky Road. Can I get a a cone with Rocky Road on it? Sure. But we don't think Rocky Road is socially just. Instead, we're going to go ahead and give you jicama-flavored ice cream. Mmm, jicama. The root that has no flavor. It's incredible. So you're going to give me jicama ice cream. But I didn't want jicama. I want Rocky Road. Could I get strawberry? No, but we can give you green bean ice cream. Don't want that either. Not interested in that. Well, then you don't care about the planet. No, I do care about the planet, but I care about buying something I want and need. I don't need to be told, like, I have to buy this product because 
media figures, government leaders, and, quote, people in the vehicle industry say that that's the vote it should be. Why is this? Simple. Simple. As you may or may not realize, climate change is about empowering people who should otherwise never be anywhere near a lever of power in any regard, save for pushing a button in an elevator. That is the maximum amount of responsibility you ever want to have these people being in charge of. How do we know? Because this kind of power corrupts. Have you been following Twitter? Have you been following the FBI? Have you been looking at how the National Security Complex went in and decided what you needed to know about because they were the stakeholders in that particular world? Don't trust them. Don't believe them. What they are committed to doing, not Mr. Toyota, I'm talking about the, the gang, the mob stalking that takes place against Mr. Toyota. Holy cow. Can I just interrupt myself here for a second? Because this is like a story that just moved on the wire. Bankman Freed, FTX guy, 250 million bail bond. His bond is $250 million, and a judge approved it. So if he can raise $250 million bucks, he's going to get out of jail and walk free. I'm sorry. I'm not, it's not going to count against me. That's just such a shocking headline to me. The $250 million bail? Holy cow. That's unbelievable. Um, these people that are telling you what you can buy, these people that are telling you what you can drive, what they're doing is they're attempting to replicate the traditional religious models that they think are successful. So we're about to celebrate Christmas. I don't want to offend anybody if you don't celebrate Christmas, if you don't believe in Jesus or God. I'm not trying to alienate you. All are welcome here, okay? Um, but, but you know, if you're part of the Judeo-Christian ethic, ethos, right, the intent is for salvation. The intent is to be reunited with God. Uh, that, that, that's what this is all about. Um, they believe that if you buy the right kind of car, you will gain salvation for the earth. Now, what does that sound like? Well, there was a time when the Christian churches had a real, a real conundrum in front of them. It was a term you might have come across in a history book. Indulgences. Where you could actually be a total 100% scoundrel scoundrel and yet you could approach church leaders give them the requisite amount of money or property or value and they would say we are letting you purchase indulgences for having lived like an absolute maniac it's what they do it's what they did this is what is happening if you drive the right car if you live in the right apartment building, if you purchase the right energy, we will confer upon you indulgences. You can be a Cretan, though I don't mean that as a geographical designation. I'm talking about a Cretan of a person. And as long as you're doing the right stuff and saying the right things, you're set. Your salvation is set. This is what's going on here now. So for Mr. Toyota, who will now probably be doxxed, 
by Ruth sent us or whatever Antifa group that they can put together over there in Japan. They're going to come at him and say, you did the wrong thing there, amigo. You shouldn't have said what you said. What you said was wrong. Everybody has to buy these awful electric cars no matter what. I don't care that it's $70,000 and you have no way to charge it. If heaven forbid you have a climate bomb coming, you know, this this bomb storm that's coming our way. Right. When I heard the bomb storm was coming, I thought maybe it was like bomb tracks, like, you know, from cool hip hop days. But apparently we have a bomb cyclone coming. You let me know how when the power goes down, you're going to be able to 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 uh, cha- uh, to charge up your your vehicle, your uh, your your Prius how you're going to be able to charge up your EV. You're going to be able to charge up your Scirocco. You laugh at a Scirocco, but a Scirocco that runs on diesel from the mid-1980s is still reliable when it comes to driving in a storm. The rest he is, as my friends in Brooklyn would say, uh, will sit back and will say things like, wait a minute, hold on a minute, here's the deal. You got to buy the electric car. More developing news here. Bankman Freed's $250 million bail bond has been approved by the judge. So if he's able to post that appropriate number, he gets to go to California and live with his parents up there by Stanford. I got to tell you something here. Being elite does have its privileges. Really does. There's no doubting it. I am Brett Witterbull. This is The Dana Show. Your one-stop shop for the information you need to fight back. If you're going to have to learn stuff, you might as well enjoy it. The Dana Show. And I am Brett Witterbull in for Dana on The Dana Show. It's great to be here with you. You know what I love? I love the Christmas music. I love the Christmas music. And uh, I'm not going to be too embarrassed to share with you something because I feel like we're getting to know each other here across the uh, couple of hours. Um, I, every year at this time, I play a game with myself. Whether or not I'm going to get whammed. Do you know what whamming is? Whammed is when you are walking through a public space, listening to the radio, spending time with your loved ones, and last Christmas comes on the radio. Last Christmas is played someplace, and you hear that song from Wham. What I describe that as is Whamageddon. Once you get hit with that song, it's Whamageddon. You're done for. I'm not too proud to brag at this stage of the game. With about two days before Christmas, I have yet to be whammed. I have not been whammed. This is almost the longest I've ever gone without being whammed. Now, it does help that I spend a lot of time listening to, like, talk radio and sports talk. And, of course, Spanish language broadcasting. So I, you know, I, I don't hear that song typically in most of the places, but I'm, we'll see what happens if I make it over the next uh, uh, 48 hours. This is going to be uh, touchy. This is, this is going to be uh, uh, very, very touchy all the way around. Sam Bankman freed uh, somebody who was famous as part of the polycule and I believe was a little touchy. Um, he, is, uh, posting, he is posting a $250 million bail. Now, I want you to think about that for a second, folks. Where does a man like him get that kind of cash? Because you have to, I mean, bail you have to post like cash or bond. Now, here's what's interesting. I think you only have to put 10% down. So 
he's going to post a $250 million bail. It means he's got to come up with $25 million cash. Could you come up with $25 million in cash like that to get out of jail? I don't even know who to call. Have to call like Tom Brady. Do you think he called Tom Brady after that whole FTX thing? Maybe he called. Maybe maybe he called uh, one of the one of the other superstars that were buying into that FTX. I'm guessing they're not taking his call. Maybe he's calling Giselle Bunchen. But he's posting 250 million dollars, so he's going to get house arrest, and he's going to go home and live with his parents uh, by Stanford University. They're both law professors. I mean, th- this is this is an incredible thing to to really think about. $250 million. This guy was public enemy number one three weeks ago when he wiped all these people out. He blew through like $100 billion. That's Florida man style, isn't it? Come on. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. Yes! <laughs> it's time for Florida man. I don't know if Sam Bankman Freed is a Florida man, but he acts like a Florida man. Hey, tell me that this doesn't sound like something Sam Bankman Freed might have gotten caught up in. Dunnell in Florida. A stolen tractor valued at over $50,000 was located in Levy County, according to the Levy County Sheriff's Office. LCSO said that on December 14th, detectives were made aware that a John Deere front-end loader had been stolen from a job site in the city of Dunnellen. And that the tractor may have been hidden in the Morriston area of Levy County. So they went and took it and stuck it in the woods. The investigation revealed Anthony Ralph, guy with two first names, 42, was in possession of a similar John Deere tractor. Well, they went and they did the investigation. When the officers arrived, uh, they, they found Ralph of Crystal River operating the tractor and took him into custody. Uh, nobody was harmed, but he was arrested, uh, and he's going to face serious charges. Now, when I hear tractor, I think like you know, out on a farm. This this is like a real tractor. This is like a bulldozer tractor. This is like the kind of thing that you might use to, you know, really do some serious work on a on a on a on a property or something. Elsewhere, Florida man beat roommate's raccoon with a hammer and then threatened to kill the neighbor with a sewing needle. If this guy was playing blackout bingo. He's pretty close to hitting every box. 31-year-old man, Florida, uh, was uh, arrested for allegedly holding a sewing needle to his neighbor's neck and threatening to kill him before nearly beating his roommate's raccoon to death with a hammer. It's terrible. That raccoon did nothing to Tevin Keeson Williams. He was taken into custody last week, charged with two counts of aggregated, aggravated assault and a deadly weapon, and one count of aggravated animal cruelty. Court records reviewed by Law and Crime found each of these charges against Williams are third-degree felonies punishable by a maximum of five years in the state prison. Upon arriving on the scene, first responders said they made contact with an adult female claiming to be one of the victims. The woman was one of Williams' roommates, whose name was redacted from the affidavit. Privacy matters, don't you know? Williams uh, apparently arrived at the home, got off his scooter, walked over to her car, and began punching her vehicle. She allegedly stated that he was damaging her car and heard Williams then say, I'm going to kill you. The woman said she was able to get out of the car and flee to her neighbor's house. That was when he went after her raccoon, nearly killing the poor animal. That's an innocent animal. Williams' roommate told investigators she kept her raccoon in a kennel located toward the back of the house. One of the deputies then walked around at the outside of the home and located the hammer that had been used to harm uh, the raccoon. That was at the point that he pulled out the needle and was threatening the neighbor. You see a lot of bad decisions that have been made right here. This is a terrible thing.
you know, he's going to really find himself in deep trouble. You know why? Animal rights activists are not going to be cool with the attack on the raccoon. Maybe, maybe he's got $250 million he can post for Bond. I'm Brett Witterbull. This is The Dana Show. I know that the American leadership will be strong and will play important role in global scope. And the United States will help us to defend our values, values and independence. And regardless of changes in the Congress, I believe that there will be bipartisan and bicameral support. And I know that everybody works for this. So this is... Uh an interesting comment coming from one Volodymyr Zelensky, who is the uh, president of Ukraine, speaking yesterday at a, a press availability, then speaking at the uh, joint session of Congress uh, last night, talking about the struggle against the Russians. Welcome to The Dana Show. I am Brett Witterbull. It is good to be with you today. Uh, what is the metric for success? How do we know what the success is when it comes to this fight. It, it appears to me that it's opaque, meaning you can't really see through that veil and, and understand what the pathway forward is. Uh, I mean, you know, you, you look at this um, and, and, and the, the, the numbers don't lie. We have spent a lot of money. A lot of Russians have been killed. A lot of Ukrainians have been killed. It does look a lot more like a World War I battle than a World War II battle, where you get to a place where it's a, a, a stalemate for all intents and purposes. Now, we have endless resources. Okay, we don't. You, 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 and, I, you and I know that, right? But, but the fact is, we have a lot of money, and we can send a lot of money, and we have a lot of military uh, assets, and we can do that too. But those military assets that we have as we look at fighting this war are not infinite they, they are actually finite there are finite numbers uh when it comes to uh how it is this war and it's a war between ukraine and and russia and it's a war between ukraine and russia that's been going on for a very very long time it's hard to figure out like what's the metric for success it sounded to me when we were listening last night to uh, Volodymyr Zelensky that the metric for success was sending the Russians home with a verifiable defeat and taking back pieces of land that the Russians had grabbed. But then he said something last night. I didn't pull the clip, but I, I can attest to the fact that I heard him say it. He said that we have been gravely injured by the Russian invasion. And so it's not just defeating the Russians. It is defeating the Russians and getting reparations for the damage done. That is a whole other metric. So you're going to fight the fight. And then you're going to say the metric for success is the defeat of the Russians and reparations. So uh, how much damage has been done? I, I don't know what the number is, okay? I don't know how much in dollars the damage has been done, but it has been substantial. Let's just, let's take a Sam Bankman-Fried number. 
let's say it's $100 billion in damage. Let's say it's $50 billion in damage. Do you think Vladimir Putin's going to send money to Ukraine to pay him for this? And if you have to rebuild Ukraine, say, say you get the Russians out of the country. I think that that's, it's possible they could do that. Who's paying for the rebuilding of Ukraine? Is it the Poles? Is it Hungary? Is it the Czech Republic? Is it the Balkan states? Is it Italy, France, Germany? The, the, the Benelux countries? That'd be Belgium, Netherlands, Luxembourg? Is it England? Is it France? Is it Spain? You and I both know who's going to pay to rebuild Ukraine, right? I mean, can we just level with this for a second? It's going to be our great-grandkids. Because we're going to take that money, borrow it from China, and rebuild Ukraine. Now, I didn't sign on for that. Did, did you? any of you sign on for rebuilding Ukraine? Well, what they'll do is they'll have a conference, and there will be commitments from a bunch of countries who are donating money, and they're going to be helping to kind of push this thing towards, towards uh, where it's got to go. Right, folks? That's what we're going to do. That's that's the direction. Except we know what that ultimately means. It means the United States is going to be the country that's going to pay for the rebuilding. Or at least it's expected to be the country that is repaying for the rebuilding of Ukraine. Because we can't have Ukraine become a failed state. You see, they've got all the terminology just so. They'll come out and they'll say, we've got to rebuild Ukraine. We cannot allow Ukraine to become a failed state. Do we want to have another situation with Iraq or Libya or Afghanistan? Oh, wait, those are all three countries that we screwed up. Oh, wait, hold on. Let me think about this. We can't allow it to be a failed state. That, that is a very compelling argument for nobody but people who write for the New York Times and the Washington Post. And then college professors that, that, that teach at Harvard. But the, the fact of the matter is... We're going to be the people that they look to. This is the frustration that American taxpayers, citizens feel when they look at things like this. I understand if you want us to come in and fix it because we went and invaded and blew everything up. You could have a, a, a fairly strong case in that regard. But the Russians broke it. The Russians should pay for it. So you tell me how it is that you're going to go in there and enforce that payment from the Russians when they are a nuclear power. Can't do it. There's no way to do it. There's no way to do it. So what happens? Well, we can't allow them to be a failed state. That means America is going to be the people who are going to be the suckers that are going to write the checks to try to rebuild Ukraine. But Zelensky, he doesn't take marching orders from people. He threw the Russian Orthodox Church out of his country uh, two, three weeks ago. They suspended, you know, certain freedoms and liberties during wartime, uh, you know, freedom of expression and opinion and all this sort of stuff. And I understand you're trying to win a war, but the frustration with most Americans who understand the way this game is going to work is that we're going to be put on the hook, which means we're going to add more to our debt. And and a country that is simultaneously raising interest rates on the working class 
You want to go buy a car these days? It is not uncommon these days to purchase a vehicle and have a $1,000 a month car payment. That, to me, should be an apartment, not a car. But we are going to be the people that everybody looks at. You have a, a dinner. You have a, you have a family reunion, and everybody says, hey, let's all go out and get dinner. Inevitably, somebody at that table is the richest guy at the table. Inevitably, they are the richest person at that table. And so the people order the steaks and the chops and the fish and the beer and the wine and the cocktails and the dessert. Oh, the paella mode. You got to try this. You got to have tiramisu. And the bill comes and the bill comes and it shows up and it's about $842. You got 20 people eating. About $842 is the bill. Everybody at that table is sitting there and says, yes, Steve works at Goldman Sachs. What do you say we just give him the bill? Why? Because Steve's got resources? All those people sitting at the table are all the countries that encourage the punchback against the Russians. And I and I support keeping the Russians inside Russia. I mean, Vladimir Putin is a dangerous psychopath, okay? I get it. But a lot of countries got together in that NATO package and said, hey, what do you say we uh, back them up? Let's help them win the fight. Now you guys going to help them rebuild? Well, we got problems of our own, man. We don't have that kind of dough. We can't help you out. America will help you out. America's got resources. Just push that bill for $150 billion. Let's go to an even 175 because you know there's going to be graft and grift built in on the rebuild. And once, let's go to $200 billion. Boom, here we go. Working people in America can't afford to go buy a car. Working people in America can't afford to, to buy their groceries. They got to use credit cards and they pay higher rates. And what we're going to do is punch a whole bunch of uh, more money uh, into the system so that, um, so that we can help rebuild. What's America getting out of the deal? What's America getting out of the deal? Donald Trump, once upon a time, greenlit the sending of missiles to Ukraine when Obama Biden sent blankies to Ukraine. And you and I both know that if Donald Trump was reelected in 2020 and was the president of the United States, Vladimir Putin would not invade Ukraine. And if he did, we'd send him weapons to knock him back into Russia. And Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and the entirety of the lineup of ABC, NBC, CBS, MSNBC, CNN, Telemundo, what have you, would say that we are the bad guys. Make book. I am Brett Witterbull. This is The Dana Show. The Dana Show. Republican Congressman Jim Comer says he wants to know more about an FBI task force focused on social media content formed after the 2016 election. One way we could get the FBI in front of the committee really quickly is say we're not giving you a penny until you all come down here and explain to us what this task force was, why you told Twitter to suppress the Hunter Biden laptop story when you knew darn well it was true. FBI officials say they did not provide Twitter with any specific instructions or details regarding the Hunter Biden laptop story. And I am Brett Witterbull. This is uh, the Dana Show. Uh, absolutely incredible to think about what it is we have learned just in the last, what, three or four weeks? I, th I think three and a half, four weeks uh, with this information coming out. I know it was very popular to choose Zelensky as the person who is the uh, best uh, embodiment of Times Person of the Year. 
But the fact of the matter is, I do think Elon Musk would have been in the running for that as well. By the way, if you're just uh, joining us, um, the funding bill, including $45 billion for Ukraine, uh, passed out of the Senate despite best efforts by people who wanted to try to kill off that omnibus. It's now gone down to the House where they will lard it up. It's going to be incredible what's what's going to happen uh, over there with uh, Speaker Pelosi. An interesting comment, though, also at the same time by Speaker Pelosi. She says she hopes that the Republicans are able to get their act together quickly and get a speaker in place because, according to her, uh, as she's going to head back to just being a congressperson and not a uh, a speaker, uh, she is uh, saying that they have important things to get done. She did her, you're going to love this, final briefing, press conference of uh, of her speakership. She is now going to be sailing off to, to, to other pastures. Uh, she'll still be in the Congress, but she's not going to be the person who's going to be standing there. Uh, that will be Hakeem Jeffries that will be in her position um, instead, which is which is really quite uh, really quite something when you think about this uh, this run that she had. Uh, they uh, they they are having a very difficult time though with the revelations that are coming out from, uh, of course, the Musk files. This idea that federal government agencies, but especially national security connected agencies, are the uh, are are the people that now have to answer these questions. Uh, about what they were putting the touch on is this is a huge deal. This is the kind of thing that you would look at a third world country and say that is an unfree country because there is essentially an interior ministry. And that's what I think what we're really seeing is we are seeing an interior ministry that is headed up by Murky Garland and the National Security Complex. Um, and they are the people who are approving or disapproving your right to speech. Interior ministries are really scary things in other countries because what they're in charge of is uh, basically policing the thoughts, the conversations, the behaviors, the activities of their subjects or citizens. And this is what we have now got gotten built up. You have built up a national security apparatus that is designed specifically to control your thoughts, your beliefs, your activities, your social posts, your First Amendment rights. Scary times moving forward unless somebody's willing to finally say to Merrick Garland and Chris Ray and the Brennanites, you guys are done. You are finished. The only evidence you're going to see of that is if they actually do try to impeach the Department of Homeland Security boss in Alejandro Mayorkas. I'll believe it when I see it. What do you say we take a quick five? And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. Now, wait a minute. I said I'd believe it when I see it. But Sean Hannity, apparently, uh, in testimony to the uh, uh, to, to the lawsuit that's uh, wrapping up other Fox employees. Uh, Sean Hannity says that they doubted Trump's fraud claims all along. On November 30th, 2020, Sean Hannity hosted Sidney Powell on his program as she and many others uh, interviewed around that time on Fox and elsewhere in media. Uh, at the center was imagined plot machines from Dominion voting systems, which Powell claimed ran an algorithm. 
Well, now under testimony, because Fox has gotten sued for $1.6 billion, Hannity said in his testimony, I didn't believe it for one second. That was the answer he gave under oath in a deposition with Dominion. Uh, this is uh, what, what he disclosed. His disclosure, along with others that emerged from court Wednesday about what Fox News executives and hosts really believed as their network became one of the megaphones uh, for this uh, narrative. Uh, They're saying, no, didn't really believe it, wasn't really a part of it, didn't really uh, affect me in the way that you would have thought. Very interesting thing to uh, see. Uh, A man in Florida uh, shot his ex-girlfriend 15 times because she didn't answer his calls. That's a disgrace. That's disgusting. Uh, Elsewhere, Cousin Eddie uh, display in Kentucky leads to a police response. You know what I'm saying? The uh, abuse of a sewer line uh, ended up with the cops. Caroline Ellison pleaded guilty to fraud in the FTX collapse, left behind a trail of hot takes about crypto and race. That's starting to come out. And finally, Sam Bankman freed $250 million bond. He's going to be spending time with mommy and daddy out in Northern California. It must be nice to have that kind of do-re-mi. I'm Brett Whittable. That's your quick take. Shooting down woke culture, one crazy headline at a time. It's the Dana Show. Zelensky received a rousing standing ovation as he appeared in his olive green fatigues, his sweatshirt with his trident on the front. That is his wartime uniform instead of a suit and a tie. The Ukrainian leader thanking the American people for standing with Ukraine, asking for their continued support. That is Erin uh, Burnett from CNN uh, describing the attire of uh, Vladimir Zelensky, who is the leader of Ukraine and came to the United States to uh, to say thank you to the American people, which I give him maximum props for that. He's saying thank you. That's a gracious person uh, made all the more so by by the fact that he got another forty five billion dollars in this uh, in this omnibus budget. I am Brett Witterbull. Uh, in today for you uh, on behalf of uh, Dana on the Dana show. It's interesting to look at this because when you have these people that are these transformative types and you can be a transformative person both for ill or well, right? You can you can be a famous person who's famous because you're a huge tyrant or you can be a famous person because you're a huge benevolent person or a leader of some kind. Here's the question. What makes anybody think that Zelensky is going to want to do anything but this job uh, moving forward? Think about how much goodwill he has among people in the world. When when you look at what's happened to culture, like to culture in general, not not just American culture, who who are the models of brave leadership? In, in our world today, uh, Justin Trudeau, Justin Trudeau, right? He's he's kind of a um, um, a, a wimpy guy, uh, kind of a kind of a middling sort of fellow. Zelensky goes out on the front lines of these battlefields. You know, from day one, they wanted to kill Zelensky. And, you know, I, I hope he survives uh, all of all of this and his his trip uh, back home. But, you know, this guy has been walking around with a target on his back for almost a solid year. Zelensky is sort of the model of a modern man or a modern leader, right? I I don't want to be exclusionary in terms of gender, but 
he, he's, he's sort of the model of a modern leader. And, and when you see him standing next to President Biden, and I understand there's a huge age differential, you, you see something different in, in Zelensky's mindset. The mindset Zelensky has is even under normal circumstances, pre the invasion by the Russians, he, he knew he knew that that it wasn't going to be uh, a cakewalk. The Russians grabbed Crimea. The Russians had all kinds of designs and angles and things like that happening, right? I mean, they the Russians are are are, are serious bad guys, and so you're Zelensky, you're running this country. At some point, the war ends. Like let's 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 hope, let's pray for peace. It is the season of peace. Let's pray that the war comes to an end, a conclusion, and the Russian troops leave and they go home. And they return the hostages that they grabbed and brought back into Russia. All that sort of stuff happens. And so now you're in a period of peace. And you've got uh, 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 Peskov now as the leader of Russia, right? Putin has died. He's moved on. What have you. What, what makes you think Zelensky would leave that job? They, they always say, uh, the, the, the political science types, right? The, the, the sociologists say the hardest political decision ever made in american history i mean i think you could maybe say in human history but in american history was the decision by george washington to turn power over to his successor See, it's 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 the the thing uh, that we're that we're looking at here. The idea that here's George Washington, the guy who birthed the American Republic, who leads the troops in battle to win and secure the independence of the United States. He, he runs for a second four year term. And then at that moment, he's confronted with the idea of, well, do I want to hand this over to Adams or Jefferson or Madison? Or, I mean, all those would become presidents. But do I want to give this thing up, man? I'm, I could be the king of the United States. And he might not. He might not have had much. He might not have had much resistance. But he did. Imagine that decision. Now, imagine somebody like Zelensky who shepherds the country through the war. Gets you through the war, kicks the Russians out, you take some territory back, all that sort of stuff happens. What's going to be the imperative for him to, to say, you know what, I think we've done a pretty good job here today. Let's give the job to Larry. Let's let Steve be in charge. How about Mark? Mark will be great. He seems like a reasonable guy. Now, here's the, tra- here's the problem. Here's the problem. Washington hands the reins over to Adams. Adams is elected. So so he becomes the next president of the United States, right? The second president of the United States, 1797 to 1801. Um, How much do you think John Adams sat there and said, man, I'm going to be the guy right after Washington. I mean, I hope I can do a good job, man. I hope he doesn't come around. 
I hope he stays out there at, at, at his plantation in Virginia because I don't know if I really want this guy coming around. He's building an entire city and it's going to be named after him. I mean, this is, am I going to be up for this job? Anybody who comes in, Zelensky takes off. He heads on down the road. He does something else. Maybe he moves to America, decides he wants to live his life out here. I mean, I don't know. What happens when you get another tyrant coming in in Russia? And suddenly now that tyrant has got an eye on grabbing some of Ukraine's territory. Does Zelensky come out of retirement? Is he like Jordan after he's been in retirement for a year and a half? Does he come out and say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come out. I'm going to play. I'm going to go play for the Wizards. It's a hard thing to do. That takes character. Anybody can run and win. But what happens when you decide you don't want to relinquish what you have? And you say, you know what? I think we're going to go in a different direction entirely. I know better. That's, that's an amazing bit of power. And I'm not comparing Zelensky to Washington. But when you have those moments where things begin to turn in a specific way, you have to ask that question and say, I don't think these guys are any good. I believe sincerely, I, I do my radio show on WBT in Charlotte, Monday through Friday from three to six. I don't believe Joe Biden is going to run for a second term. I think because he has gone so radical with his policies and you can just look at whatever ones you want. We talked about the border. Um, we, we, we you talked about trans issues. You talk about these different sorts of things uh, that, that are that are coming up. He has gone so far to the left that I don't think he can run a conventional election. I think he's going to get to a spot where he says, you know what? I'm not going to run again. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to go off into the sunset and enjoy my time in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Let uh, let Harris have a shot at it or Newsom have a shot at it or whomever. Because if he were committed to running again, he would have to run in some measure as a moderate. He ran that way the first time he got elected. He would have to come back and say, ah, you know, I'm I'm a moderate man. I want to I want to do something on the border. We're going to fix it. We're going to lock it down. We're going to do what we have to do. He's just gone totally socially left. Inflation Reduction Act. Green New Deal. And he hasn't done what he promised, which was to codify Roe versus Wade or to uh, take care of people's student loan debts that he promised he was going to do that. That was a that was a ironclad promise for all intents and purposes he hasn't delivered on those look at the stuff look at the stuff that if you made a list of joe biden's achievements look at what he's done it's been left-wing politics a go-go that's actually a technical political term by the way a go-go i am brett witterbull you're listening to the dana show more after this Want a behind-the-scenes look at The Dana Show? Subscribe to Dana's Chapter and Verse newsletter for a deeper dive in all things Dana at DanaLash.com. Oh, before you know it, it'll be tax time. Sorry to bum you out. I know it's Christmas. I've got some Christmas thoughts here. Don't worry about that. But before you know it, it's going to be tax time. And you know what that means, right, folks? You understand what, what's coming our way? 
What's coming our way is more regulation. Remember the 87,000 different sort of uh, uh, IRS agents that are coming out there to try to try to get us and get your money and get all that sort of stuff. Right. Remember, remember all that happening. I remember that happening. Well, now the IRS guy has these new rules that you got to be ready for as you get into that new year. How new IRS rules could affect Venmo, Zelle, and Cash App users. This year, Dennis Tuberville, a woodworker in Washington, used the mobile payment service Venmo to sell his wares, collect payments on a rental property, and split personal expenses with family and friends. He carefully tracks income for his business with QuickBooks and works with an accountant to make sure Everything he owes to the government is paid correctly, but Tuberville is concerned that a recent tax change intended to crack down on tax evasion by small businesses and those operating in the gig economy will mean more paperwork and headaches from the IRS. He's hopeful that if there are any unintended discrepancies, his business will be too small to attract an audit. Good luck, my man. A tweet to the tax code enacted last year was intended to ensure that those who use services like Venmo, Cash App, Etsy, StubHub, Airbnb, etc. to collect money are all reporting their income to the IRS. The change was part of the Biden administration's efforts to narrow the $7 trillion tax gap between the revenue that is owed and the revenue that is collected. But for millions of Americans, the new requirement means additional tax forms, potentially higher tax bills, a lot of confusion. It's stirring anxiety among some middle-class taxpayers and independent business owners. President Joe Biden promised to be spared from greater tax scrutiny. It's very confusing. I can see how it would be very stressful for someone who doesn't have an accountant, said Tuberville. I feel very much in the dark about it. The new tax policy was tucked into the folds of the stimulus package known as the American Rescue Plan, which Democrats passed in 2021. It was just tucked right there. It has gone largely unnoticed because it applies to income earned this year and affects taxes that most Americans will pay in 2023. It's projected to raise just about $8 billion in additional tax revenue over a decade. But as the impact of the rule and the prospect of surprise tax bills come clear, it's drawing pushback from business groups, lawmakers, and others, prompting a scramble within the Biden administration to come up with a solution to avoid another chaotic tax season next year. Good luck. Good luck. Before the rule change, services like Venmo supplied users with a snapshot of their income called a 1099K form, only if they received more than $20,000 and had more than 200 transactions. The forms were supposed to be submitted with tax returns to the IRS. They were intended to determine how much a taxpayer really owns. Those thresholds were reduced from $20,000 to $600, regardless of the transactions. Hmm. Who would decide to go after those small little people? They're not going after the freeders. The Sam Bankman Freeders, they're, they're, they're not going after uh, the Wall Streeters, the Big Techers, the Holly Weirders. They're going after the Mom and Poppers. What is it about this administration? They just seem to love to punish normal people. Regular, old, normal people. 
Let's grab them, turn them upside down, and shake them by the shanks until the coins fall out of his pocket. That's what we'll do. What do you think is going to happen with an 87,000-strong IRS group of agents? You ever been in law enforcement? You ever know anybody in law enforcement? They have a saying in law enforcement. Ticket a day keeps the sergeant away. These 87,000 IRS agents are going to exist to go out there and to harass, harangue, and hassle the mom and dad businesses, the mom and pop shops, the dry cleaner, the restaurant with two locations. And you're going to have the IRS agent come in there and say, well, you know, I'm going through your books and you owe us $72,000 in back taxes. What do you say we settle today for four thousand dollars and you're going to be like okay let me write the check four thousand dollars it's better than seventy five thousand dollars i guess that's what we're going to do they're not going to go to warren buffett aka warren buffet they're not going to go to any of the big swinging hedge funders why because they have armies of accountants and lawyers it's why hunters never going to be held to account for all the chicanerous behavior that existed. So just be aware and alert for what's coming in 2023. They tell you that they're going to get the big tax cheats. And what do they do? They go after the people who can afford to fight back least and are able to tap 401ks, IRAs, what have you, and write checks to get the government off their back. That's the way government works. It's why you should really, really want a flat tax. Because you just pay the same. Or a fair tax, which I like even more, where you're just paying on the products you buy. Want to pay taxes on a Ferrari? Buy a Ferrari. Don't want to pay taxes on a Ferrari? Don't buy a Ferrari. It's really not difficult. But we've got plenty of time to get into that nonsense. Once the year turns and we start moving into the spring. Right now, I want you all to think about this season, this season of Christmas, the miracle, the miracle that we have all been asked to be a part of. Goodwill towards men, love, respect, faith, hugely important things, ladies and gentlemen. This is your opportunity. My brothers and sisters celebrating Hanukkah, uh, Christians around the world who are getting together to remember what this is. And also understanding that everybody can participate because that's the incredible thing. That's the incredible thing about this journey we are all taking. It's such an important time in our lives. So do what you're going to do. Be careful with the weather. Sit back, relax, and tell the people you love that you love them. Tell them you care about them before it's too late. That's the best you can do. And you can have some cocoa. You can have some nog. You can enjoy the season. Have a peppermint stick. And listen to nonstop Dana shows throughout the holiday season. It's going to be worth it. 2023 is going to be fantastic. Thank you so much to Valen for keeping me company and keeping me on the right track all through this program. My name is Brett Witterbull.